Well, hello, everyone, and I hope you are ready with your Bibles for chapter 14. But before we start the lesson, um, I'm just going to reiterate, if you, if many of you received an email or something, uh, my, my Merry Christmas email to you, you know, there's so many things up in the air about how long we will go just by podcasting and when we will resume in person. And, and so, um, you know, some of these questions we really don't have answers for, except that I just want you to know that, that for Christmas now, this will be the last lesson. Um, and then, uh, then we will have like a two week break and then right away in the first week of January, we will resume our podcast. So you will have like two weeks off that there won't be a new lesson put on. But may I just say that if ever we need to keep our Bibles open, it's, it's all the time, but, but now we, we desperately need to um, make sure that we aren't taking a vacation from, our, from studying. And, you know, a little quick devotional is not the same as Bible study, and we just need to be so grounded. And so, um, you know what you can do? You can... You know, because actually, after this lesson today, after chapter 14, we are halfway through the book of Acts. And a lot of times when we're halfway in a letter, it's just kind of nice to go back and review a little and, and see what you've learned. And again, just watch the flow of this letter to Theophilus that Luke is writing. And, and then also, maybe you've gone behind. And in a verse-by-verse -verse study, you just can't get behind, especially in a book like this, because it just is a letter that you don't want to miss. I mean, when you get a letter at home and somebody has written to you, do you, do you want to miss the center section or do you want to miss any part of that letter from a loved one? And you know that Luke loves Theophilus, and that's why he wrote his gospel and why he's writing the book of Acts. And so Theophilus is not going to want to miss a word, and we shouldn't want to either, because every word is inspired. And so, again, may I just say, with our Bibles, as we hold them, this is our Bible. It is God's word. Every word is true, and it is all that we need. Pray with me, please. Father, as we go into chapter 14, we just pray for an open heart that we will allow your Holy Spirit to really work and to help us understand that they're just not words on a page. This is our lifeline. This is what we need to survive in this day and age in which we're living. Father, we know there's just evil all around us. And we feel sorry for the people who don't know you. And because they don't know you, they, they, well, we're going to see in this lesson today, when our heart isn't right, our body follows. And some of the actions and some of the things that are going on today, Father, we just give you praise for loving us and giving us a way out, giving us Jesus so that we can be redeemed, that we can have, that we can have a future to look forward to, that we can have hope, that we can take these Christmas words that we are seeing all over, like love and joy and peace and hope, that we know because of Jesus, these words can be real in our lives. Thank you, Father. We just can't, we can't give you glory and praise enough. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Okay, of course, you know, we always just kind of take a look at, at last week's lesson, and we know that Paul and, and Barnabas were, were kind of set apart by the, the church of Antioch, and, and they had certain teachers at that time and prophets who, who were under the power of God, and so they knew his direction, and the direction that, and the timing that God wanted for Barnabas and, and Paul to start their first missionary journey was now. So they came and laid hands on them. They had prayed and fasted, and, and they just knew that this was God's will. And so Paul and Barnabas set a sail, and they traveled, and they were now opening up brand new doors in some of the most pagan cities. And how, how we saw last week how bold Paul was when he ran into Illamus, the sorcerer. And how he did, he called sin, sin. He called wrong, wrong. And I, I think I just will never, never forget what, what he said when he said, will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? I mean, when we are sinning, that's what we're doing. We're perverting the right ways of the Lord. And as his children, that should be something we do not want to be a part of at all. And so um, then, you know, we've just, we watched them then move into another Antioch, Antioch Pisidian. We just don't want to get confused with that. But then it's there that that um, Paul does speak to the brothers, he calls them. Brothers, if you have a message, um, we, we have a message for you because, you know, Paul and Barnabas went into the synagogue and um, the, after the prayers and after the reading of readings from the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, then, then someone from the synagogue says, hey, you know, let's have someone now talk on the, these readings. Let's have someone who is educated in this stand and speak. And then when they saw Paul and Barnabas, they invited Paul to stand up and to, and to um, interpret and to expound on the readings that were just read. And Paul used that as such an opportunity. And he certainly met them where they were at in the Old Testament. But then, oh, how beautifully he moved in to the story of Jesus. And again, he didn't spare any words when he says, I want you to know that it's through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. The man that you rejected, the man that you crucified, the man that you chose not to believe was the Messiah. Well, he was, and he is. And he is the only one that can forgive you of your sins. You cannot be justified by the law of Moses. Jesus came and fulfilled all that. And in, even in verse 46, we see how Paul and Barnabas answer again boldly because they were invited to come back and then after, after they came back the next week, and, and the, there must have been a massive crowd. And then, of course, they, there was jealousy. And once that word hits and once that emotion starts taking over, now, now they, there's a certain group that want to accuse Paul and Barnabas of, of blasphemy, blasphemy and, and they want them to be 
kicked out of the city. And so they were. They were expelled from the region. And what they did is they shook the dust from their feet to pro protest, to protest against those people that did this to them in the city of Iconium. But instead, or they went on to Iconium from here, but instead of giving up, instead of, of, of in this city where, where they were being persecuted for unjustly because they were teaching the truth, and just because of this jealousy, now they're expelled from this city. But instead of giving up, they move on to Iconium, and the, and the disciples that came with them were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. How often don't we give up? So often when things get hard, we just give up. And we kind of say, well, apparently the Lord doesn't want, want us here. But that wasn't Paul and Barnabas. And we're going to see as we move on now to the 14th chapter. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Gen Jewish synagogue. They, they go first to that Jewish synagogue where they feel very comfortable because they're Jews. And again, I think in Paul's heart, he, he wants the Jews to believe. He never gives up on them. And so they moved to the Jewish synagogue and, and it's there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed isn't that just the best news? They, they spoke effectively. And I think we should just kind of look at that because right away, I think we kind of have a tendency to think, well, of course they did. They're eloquent in their speech and, and they know how to say things. They're very learned. They, they're very eloquent as far as they, they know the scriptures. And so we kind of pass that job on to people like that, thinking that, well, we couldn't ever be that effective. But I want you to know that effectiveness has nothing to do with, with our eloquence or maybe our big words or whatever. They, they were eloquent because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were speaking the truth they spoke with confidence. And because of that, because they were being directed by the Holy Spirit. So let's learn that. Let's learn that effective witnessing, effective talking about Jesus, effective reaching others for Christ has to do with that we are following the leading of God's Spirit. And that we have been promised, Jesus promised us that when we need it, the right words will be there. When we need courage, the courage will be there. We should never back away. And I remember ending one of these lessons saying, because people need the Lord. And how are they going to know unless they hear? And by just watching Paul and Barnabas, they are, they are just so bold because they know what the gospel has done in their own personal life. And so they want that for the people. But verse 2, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Right there it shows that you have a choice. 
And as, as, we, as we go on, it says, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. I mean, they weren't bad in a thousand. It's very clear that there were many Jews and Gentiles that believed. But the one who chose to refuse to believe... See, this is where, when I prayed, I said, Lord, help us to see that our heart and the condition of our heart is so important because our body follows, our actions follow. I mean, when you see that, first of all, they refuse to believe, and so then who's sitting on the throne of their life? They are. And so then then what happens, then it's all human nature and self-centeredness and, and those kinds of things. They stir up the Gentiles and poison their minds. So Paul and Barnabas, what did they do? Instead of leaving, they spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. They wanted to keep reassuring the new believers they wanted to confirm their message. They didn't just run out and leave because there were some that didn't believe. They, they cared for the ones who did believe and they wanted to keep growing and maturing them and confirming the message so that it got deeper and deeper into their soul. That message of grace, that we are saved by grace alone, that undeserved favor. In this power of God's spirit, God saw to it that, that they were given, and we've talked about this with Acts, that the apostles were given, when they went into new territory, just like when Jesus came and introduced the gospel, he did miracles and wonders that drew attention, that drew the crowds, that, that kind of firmed up people maybe who were on the fence. But then look at verse 4. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. And you know, I went back to, there was a couple places in the Gospels, but I, I chose Mark 3. Mark chapter 3 talks about, this is, these are Jesus' words. Jesus was talking about that, that word divided and how, how, how dangerous, how the, the things that happen when, when people are divided. So in Mark 3, Mark 3, verse 35, see. No, verse 25. I, I thought, oh dear, that's not right. Okay, Mark 3, verse 25. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Those were Jesus' words. And so we see the danger when you see in verse 4, the people of the city were divided. And that concerned Paul and Barnabas. 
because they knew that a house divided cannot stand. That's why Jesus, in John chapter 17, when he was praying for all of his children, in the latter part of that, in that chapter, he prayed, what did Jesus pray for all of us? That we would stay unified. And I know we all have differences of opinion, and we all think we're right, but we've got to be real careful about that because that causes dissension, which then causes division. And we have to see how then that weakens, that weakens the foundation. And it all has to do, you know, God isn't complicated. You either, you either accept him or you don't. I mean, there's only one of two choices always. And we've seen it already in this chapter. There were, there were those that believed, and then there, there were those who refused to believe. And I just want to ask you, they heard the same message. So whose fault was it when they chose not to believe, when they deliberately plugged their ears, when they, when they refused? Whose fault is it? You know, I just hope you don't mind a little story here, but there was a gentleman that I never met, and I didn't know him until after the fact. Apparently, he had times that he could have received Christ as his Savior. He could have believed, but he kind of stayed neutral. He kind of stayed on the fence and and then all of a sudden, his mom, who he adored, got very sick. And, you know, that's when he just prayed, Lord, Lord, please heal my mom. And the Lord took this wonderful lady home to be with him. And, and this man, this man was devastated. In fact, because he really never knew God and never really understood that God's plan is perfect, never had the indwelling of God's spirit to remind him of biblical teachings of Jesus. Because of that, he just shook his fist in God's face and said, you and I were done. Because if this is the way you operate, he made that choice. Well, as God would have it, just kind of like with, with Saul on the road to Damascus. Remember, God told Ananias, I have picked him. I had chosen him to be the apostle to the Gentiles and looking at his life, it looked, that's impossible. No, we serve a God who, who when he has a plan, nothing is impossible. As, and as God brought Saul to the ground, one day this man was just flipping channels and there's so many beautiful details and I could just go on and on. But as the Lord would have it and how the Lord wanted me to be the avenue of 
he was, I happened to be doing a television program at that time and we would do songs, I would sing and then I would have a time of just a table talk. I would have my Bible and just maybe five, 10 minutes, just kind of like a thought for the week so to ponder on, to maybe, I tried so hard to get them then to to want to get back into their Bibles and go farther because I only had a half hour. I only had a few minutes besides the songs. Well, as the Lord would have it, this man somehow, because he recognized me from another channel, closing that local station off with God bless the USA every night, he, he all of a sudden identified, hey, there's that girl that sings God bless the USA to close out the station at night. Now he, we, she's sitting at this little table, and he was intrigued. He was curious. And he started listening and then he realized that I, that it came on every week. And as he would hear, because the Lord loved him and the Lord had plans for him. And that's why you can't just say, well, apparently he wasn't chosen. So, you know, he shook his fist in God's face. And so obviously he's not a chosen one. You know, because God loves everyone and makes sure everybody has an opportunity to hear. Through some, some strange way sometimes, but on this little TV program, he realized that something was missing. And then I happened to be going to do a concert. I happened to be going to do a concert right in his town. And he saw that on the marquee. And he hadn't been in church. I don't know if he had ever been in church, to tell you the truth. But he wanted to come and see me in person. And he came, he sat in the back row. I didn't know this because I don't know this man at all. And so I wouldn't know him. He was, I mean, the place, the place was full. And so obviously the back row was all full. But apparently... When I closed the concert with a song, I bowed on my knees and cried holy. He said, your, your head came down and your eyes locked into mine. And I could see Jesus saying, you and I, we've been apart long enough. Today is your day. And from what he had heard from the, from the little table talks and, and he put all the pieces and he felt Jesus' love. And he, he got saved. He turned his life over to Jesus. And it wasn't right away, but later on, he asked, he wrote Tom and I and asked if we could meet up with him. And it was our first time meeting this couple. And how the Lord has used this couple in our lives and how, how the Lord used me to be the avenue for him. But now they are such an asset to our ministry. See, I just love the way the Lord keeps coming back. But unless you are... Unless you take responsibility, unless you choose to open your ears, 
You're always going to have this choice. You can either believe or you can refuse it. I was going through I was going through a Bible cover and it had a little pocket in and I think the Lord right before this lesson he wanted me to just reread this letter that he had written to me on a New Year's Day as he started a new year after he'd come to know Jesus and he was on fire for his Savior. He wrote a line in there that just made me smile as I reread it because he said, now I realize I never had a chance. When God loves us and he gives us the message of the gospel and we're willing to receive it, it can help. He didn't have a chance to stay in that down and angry and bitter. He didn't have a chance because Jesus' love came in and took over his life and he has stayed committed and to watch him even teach Bible study himself now years later. Only God could do that, but he has done his work. But then he gives us the opportunity because here you have this group of people when Paul and Barnabas are preaching to them the same message, some believe and some refused it. And because of that, that splits. You're divided. Some sided with those unbelieving Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles. And that plot afoot means secret plan kind of going on underneath without, without them knowing it. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. Now remember, when you read that verse, that doesn't mean all the Jews, all the Gentiles. Because we know that because of their effective preaching, it said that there were many there was a great number of Jews and Gentiles that believed. But those that refused to believe, now they, they are plotting. They, they want, they're going to mistreat him. In fact, their plan is to stone him. But they found out about it, and they fled to Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby. Now we know that that Paul was martyred, but it wasn't time yet. Just like, remember with Jesus, they would come after him and he would sneak away. Or his time had not yet come. See, God's timing is so perfect and it isn't time for Paul to be martyred yet. He's still got work to do. But they found out and now they escaped to the cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. They continued to preach the good news. They're not giving up. Look how many times I've even said that already in this lesson. 
They don't give up even when the times get tough. They trust the God that they've put their faith in. They trust the God that gave them a savior. And they keep going. But I think sometimes because Stephen came to my mind a little bit because I thought, okay, but why was Stephen's time? The church was just starting to take off. He was probably one of the best of the best when it came to humility and grace and compassion and wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And these are questions that, that we just don't know. That's why our faith is so important. That is, we believe in the, even though we don't understand or see. But it wasn't time for Paul and Barnabas to be martyred. So in Lystra, they, there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth, and had never walked. He listened. That's a key word. He listened to Paul as Paul was speaking. Paul looked directly at him. Isn't that something now? It kind of reminded me, see, of when that man told me that when I was singing, that my eyes looked right at him and he could just, through my eyes, he heard Jesus. Something happens when you look directly at someone. I didn't know I did, but the Lord made sure that he saw himself. Jesus made sure that he saw himself. He saw himself for what he was, but he saw Jesus. And he, he could probably see Jesus open arms saying, come on, you and I, we've been apart long enough. I see your heart and there's still potential. I know you're angry and you're bitter, but I, I see potential. Come, let me show you what I can do in your life. And fortunately, he saw his responsibility to make that move to come. And he did. And do you see how Paul, when he looked directly at this man, this lame man, he saw that he had faith. The Lord enabled him to see that this man had faith enough to be healed. He listened to the message and then Paul saw that, that, that as he listened, the message took root in his heart. And he called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, that man jumped up and began to walk. That was such proof of his faith. Because remember, he had never walked before. And that reminded me, and I went back to Acts chapter 3, where when Peter and John were confronted with um, a lame man, and he had never, this man had never walked. Remember, it says the man crippled from birth was being carried to the, carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. 
In chapter 3, verse 4, Peter looks straight at him. And he made the man look at them, Peter and John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention. And that's when Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold we do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And Peter, in verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet. Great story. But I saw there was a, a slight difference here. When Paul looked at him and saw his faith, he saw within his heart that he had the faith to be healed. Did you, I think in chapter 3, it's like Peter held out his right hand and kind of helped him with his faith. Kind of helped him. And then once he got up, and then it took hold. But Peter there took his right hand and helped him to his feet. Here, Paul looked directly at him, saw they had a faith to be healed, called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Paul didn't have to reach out his right hand to help this man. The Lord gave Paul the ability to see that this man would believe without any help at all. Well, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, the gods come down to us. The gods have come down to us in human form. So they, they were so taken that now they called Paul and Barnabas gods. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So remember, you're, you're talking a pagan city, and they see this miracle, and right away then they assume because they don't have God's spirit telling them the truth, they just automatically think, whoa, these two men, they're gods, little g. And so there, the priest of Zeus then comes with all the paraphernalia so that they could offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, oh, I just want you to know this is the first time Paul and Barnabas are called apostles. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes, which is a Jewish reaction to blasphemy. So being Jews and then to be acknowledged as gods, to them knowing only one true God, this was utter blasphemy. So the Jewish reaction is to tear their clothes. And then they rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news. 
telling you to turn from those worthless things to the living God. The God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. I remember when Peter and John were being worshipped and they pretty much had the same reaction. They pretty much said the same thing. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're human just like you. And it was in that lesson that I kind of reminded you of when John, when the angel told him in Revelation, the message of the future. The news was so extraordinary that he instantly bowed and worshipped the, the messenger instead of the message. And boy, the angel took off and pretty much said the same thing. Oh, no, 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 you get up. You know, people who know God know in and of themselves because it's such a temptation in this world full of pride and and what the meaning of success is and what people think of what the meaning of success is. And that when you become somebody in, in the world's eyes, that then you've made it. And sometimes even the best of Christians, they start right. But as they are used more and more and they become more noticeable and they become more popular, it's just so tempting to start thinking that and kind of taking that as your own. And we've seen so many good people fall. People who have let glory go to them. Instead, glory goes to only one God. You know, the word sovereign means he's God, you're not. And when we keep him sovereign, when we know that there is nothing that we can attain here that would ever come close to his glory, that we are the, the greatest leadership is when you humbly serve And people get confused. They think the bigger and the more popular they get, they are to be served. But I remember Jesus said, I've come to serve. And there was no greater leader than Jesus to learn from his leadership, to stay humble before God. We watched the angel in the heavens. We watched Peter and John. We watched Paul and Barnabas. When they stayed filled with God's spirit, they were constantly being reminded that God is God and that's not them. But Paul turns this as such an opportunity he, he starts talking to them after they rent their clothes. And after they say, men, why are you doing this? We're human. We're only men. 
We are here. This is our mission. Our mission is to tell you the good news, not our news, the good news. And the good news is the message of Jesus. And he starts by saying, we want to remind you of the living God who made the heaven and the earth. Turn from your from all these things that are worthless. In the past, verse 16, in the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. I think, I think that's really true. I think there are times that God says, okay, you think you know better? I think he does that individually. I, I think I've almost heard him say that. You, you are so gung-ho on having your way in this particular circumstance even though I know you haven't even once asked me what I think. And you think you're so smart and that you know so much that you don't even have to ask me what my will would be. Because down deep you know that I will say no and you don't want to hear that word. You don't want to believe that my no is out of love because I'm trying to keep you from hurting yourself. And I think there are times the Lord says, okay, okay, go ahead. Go ahead and see where this is going to take you. And I sometimes wonder, is this what he's doing to our world? To our United States. Let's all nations go their own way. You think you're so smart. You think you know better than me. And yet, you know, if we really look, just like here in verse 17, yet he has not left himself without testimony, he still shows his kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Verse 18, even with these words, because, you know, you could tell that Paul and Barnabas trying to get them to see that there's just one true God and he made the heavens and the earth and the, the sea and And so they're trying, they're trying to explain to them their need for acknowledging this one God. And how they, they still want to hear what they want to hear. A lot of times people like to have someone tangible. And that's why there's so many gods in this world because you can get your hands on a bank account. You can, you know, sometimes we, we get the whole wrong definition of peace, don't we? we? We feel like 
if we have this of this world, we have this of this world, and we've achieved this of this world, then that'll give me peace. But I think we've all experienced that there's nothing of this world that could give us peace. But a lot of times we stay deluded, so we keep working at a lot of things of this world. Instead of just letting go and daring to surrender to his will. And in this case, they still wanted the gods to be Barnabas and Paul. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Pisidian Antioch. Again, I don't want you confused because the Antioch that we read about where Paul and Barnabas were commissioned and set apart and where they go back to. See, Jerusalem was like the church of the Jews. And Antioch became like the center church for the Gentiles. But here, we're just, we're talking about Pisidian Antioch and Iconium. Some Jews came from these cities and won the crowd over. Those ones that refused to believe, again, look at their continued behavior. This time they stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, this, I believe Paul was miraculously preserved. Because as the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. I mean, he was left outside of the city for dead. And look how now, I mean, he just gets up and walks back into the city. I mean, no bruises, no broken bones. Do you know what a stoning is? I looked it up. Because you read about stoning so much in God's word. And stonings, it's just brutal. And they keep throwing stones, bigger stones, rocks, until finally it hits a place of trauma. So according to them, they must have hit that place and they dragged him out of the city, left him for dead. And the disciples gathered around Paul. He stood up. He walked back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Now, if you had had experience like that, wouldn't there be a little temptation to say, you know what? I think I've had it. I think I have been through just about enough. In fact, I don't think they're going to let up. So we're going to constantly be running into this. Our lives are always going to be in danger. I think 
I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. And yet, the next day, he and Barnabas go on to Derby. They don't give up. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. This had to have been the respite that they needed. This, this, had to, this had to arise in them again, a momentum to keep going. This evangelistic success had to really spur them on. It's just, and see, God knows what we need right when we need it. And so again, you can see God's hand. Remember when, when the leaders laid their hands on Barnabas and Paul as they sent them out on this first missionary journey? And I reminded you that that's symbolic of the Lord's hand of blessing. And you don't want to move out into anything without God's hand of blessing. Because look, when God's hand of blessing is on this and they are willing to be obedient to the leading of God's spirit, that doesn't mean it's going to be an easy road. It just means that he was there all the time. That we have got a God who sticks with us. I used to sing a song that said, he was there all the time, faithfully. And I think you can't help but see this, but we've got to put, I'm not trying to take words here and make them relevant. I think that the, this story is in here in chapter 14. So we are reminded that sometimes we go through some rugged times that life can be tough and it can go on for a while. But he's there all the time. Then they return to Lystra. Now this, this really got to me because they after they had that beautiful respite in Derby, Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, Pisidian. The towns where they had the, the most ruckus, Lystra, where Paul was stoned. And they go back. They go back to those cities. And why? Verse 22 says... Because there were groups of people in all of those cities that needed to be strengthened, encouraged to remain true to the faith. I thought, thought to myself, I've heard that phrase. And sure enough, Acts 11, Acts 11, verse 23. When Barnabas, when, when Jerusalem heard about how the Gentiles in Antioch, when they went to Antioch for the first time, 
Then they sent Barnabas to check on to see if that was really happening, if there really were believers in Antioch. And remember, when Barnabas arrived, he saw the evidence of God's grace. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And here we see it again. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. They knew that these people needed to continue to grow and mature. And they knew that they couldn't be there all the time, but they're back now so that they can pick some other people who will be leaders. Because why, why do we need... Because of our human nature, we constantly, that's why I am such a believer of Bible study. That's why I'm such a believer that even if we aren't going to have a new lesson, that we keep our Bibles open and we review or we, we go to what we maybe missed so that we don't miss a word. We've got to want to have the, that the that we may, that we remain true that we remain true to the faith because if we don't work at it if we don't work at remaining to be true i guarantee you i guarantee you that you start slip sliding and before you know it Self is taken over and pride and the things of this world and you are all messed up. Paul and Barnabas know it. They know how hard it is to remain true to the faith. And so that's why they're willing to go back to these cities so they can teach them some more so that they can be strengthened and encouraged to keep their Bibles open, to keep working at this, because we've got to keep maturing. If we're not moving forward, we're going backward. And so they also appoint these elders that will also keep momentum going. And they picked elders from each church, prayed, fasted, committed them to the Lord. In whom these particular ones that they picked, they put their trust in the Lord and their lives showed it. And so they were the ones picked After going through Pisidia, they came to into Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. So they just kept moving. Maybe some of you have maps in the back of your Bible. And I just think it's so exciting to just kind of watch and take these cities and just kind of show, you know, put your finger there and see. Because 
They're moving. They're on the move. And they're walking and they're, they are just, they are committed to the cause. And they don't, they, they don't want to miss these towns. They want to make sure that they hear and have a choice in whether to believe or not. From Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch. This is the Antioch where the church is strong and the leaders are for the church of the Gentiles. It says that where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they are now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Wouldn't you just love to have been a fly on the wall? Because as these two men, as, as all the believers got together in that church, to be able to hear Paul and Barnabas tell and explain their experiences, to be able to say, and, and we saw these believers, and they're so excited. And we went back there and and we and we picked elders so that we can be assured that their faith will mature and grow. But I'm sure Paul also told them about the persecution. Again, a reminder that living the life of Christ is never going to be easy. But it will be so worth it. And to be reminded that we have been created in his image for his purpose. And in this chapter, I think this is in the book of Acts, we watch this kind of commitment. Putting self aside because you long for the souls of the lost. And whatever it takes... Think about how nervous we get to witness. We're so afraid of what people are going to think. We're so afraid that they're going to call us names or turn on us. I see words here like boldly, look straight in the face, confronted sin for sin. Daring to stand for God's word and what it says. To love people enough to go back to make sure that they're strengthened and encouraged to work hard at this. I'm sure as they're telling the church of Antioch, all these experiences, I dare say there were standing ovations, not for these two men, but hands were up in praise to an almighty God who was working through two humble men. And how if we are willing vessels, he can work through us. 
the last verse of this chapter, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. I asked him the questions, why is it so good to go home? I happen to know, oh, I'm sure all you do too, because anytime you go away for any length of time, there's no place like home. But when I would go on tour, and I'd be staying in different homes every night, I'll tell you, there was nothing like pulling into our humble dwelling when the tour was over. And then we would tell friends and family about our experiences and what Jesus had done through some of the concerts or some of our one-on-one talks. Sometimes our greatest ministry was after the concert was over. But it was so wonderful to go home, to be able to share with people that, that understood and would be excited. And I'm sure that they stayed there because they needed a rebuild. They needed to rest up. They needed to get fortified. Again, I repeat, no matter how strong you are in the Lord, if you don't continue to cling to him, because sometimes when we get so strong in the Lord, we have a tendency to think we can slack off. And I am just begging you, don't slack off. Remain true to your faith. Stay strong. And the only way that that can happen through difficult times through questionable times is being confident and sure of God's word. Heavenly Father, we just know you, you know us. We know that you know us so well. And that's why you have given us your word and your spirit. And this gift of prayer where we can stay connected to you and constantly be feeding and gaining our strength and encouragement when our natural tendency wants us to be discouraged and defeated and give up. Father, may we take these examples and know that they're in your word for a purpose, and that is so that we can see ourselves and know that if it can happen to Paul and Barnabas, we are working with the same spirit, with the same words. Father, when we falter, we have no one to blame but ourselves. Father, I pray that we just love you so much that we just can't wait to see which you've got for us. Not only in our lives, but through your words. Father, we give you glory and praise. And again, as we go into this time of Christmas, Father, we are so grateful for Jesus every day. But we are so grateful that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And because of that fact, we have a Savior. And Father, because he was born in Bethlehem and grew up and walked this earth and taught and instructed and died and rose and ascended. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow because we've got the hope of a future that we can hardly put into words. You've given us glimpse, though. And Father, we do give you glory, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.